Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at our previous episode, Russia. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and have a listen, or else there will be spoilers ahead. Judge, judge, judge. He's the judge. Oh, don't, because that really does annoy me. <laughs> Shouldn't tell me that. Yes, I know. Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere, The Verdict. My name is Ryan Weir and with me in the studio is the effervescent Peter Goddard. Hello. And on the telephone uh, from the 1920s, it's our headmaster and judge and jury, it's Mr. Paul Dursley. Good evening. How are you doing, Mr. Paul Dursley? Are you okay? I'm okay. How are you? I think we have some unfinished business. We do. We, we need to immediately get into this and get this... Get this out of the way. <laughs> Let's have a quick recap because you gave me a grade, or you said you were going to give me a grade based on whether or not there was the jingle, the 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 judge 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 jingle. Correct. And there was no judge 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 jingle. Yes, there was. No, there wasn't. You said you wouldn't. <laughs> you would be okay if. There was a better version. Yes. You said do an improved one. Which you didn't. I went out and I hired a man. This is a bespoke commission. This isn't I just... paid for this, Paul. I thought this wasn't just me just messing around. I hired a professional to sing a song. Well, sting for us. Lyrically, I saw some similarities. Yeah, I did ask him to put some lyrics in. <laughs> <laughs> to retain some element of the previous song. flavour, a little bit of the flavour. But come on, like it's a... It, or the, his bit at the end. All, All rise, rise for, for the, the judge. judge! I see, okay. Am I supposed to feel flattered? No, you're supposed to give me the grade that I deserve. No, 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 don't say that! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, B minus. <laughs> Well, to be fair, though, you never said B- minus in the episode. You said B. Yes, because you played that jingle twice. Oh! <laughs> He's doubled down. Oh you, oh, you got me. Oh, that's a shame. Okay, I'll give you a B, and that's it. I feel like that's fair. Also, it's a great song. I bet you've been humming it all week. Now, the interesting thing is you will have a dilemma this week. Ooh. I love a dilemma. Because your choice will affect Pete's grade. Oh, that's good. I like that. Well this is, done. But this is not the moral maze. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, this is good. You've got drawn into this, Pete, with oh, your smug man. smile, sitting there on the other side of this argument. Now you're drawn in. Right, let's uh, let's let's crack on with this episode of The Verdict, because we're not talking about East Timor anymore. We are talking about Russia. Russia. Ah. Uh, so why don't you remind us, please, with our new regular feature, the one minute summary. I'm going to start the clock now. Russia is big. It's very big. It's got tundra, steppes, mountains and more. It fills up a lot of the top right hand corner of your map. In the early Middle Ages, it was populated by East Slavs. They were a group that was said to derive from one of Noah's three sons, a guy called Japet. That is according to the Russian Primary Chronicle, a very old book by a monk called Nestor. The book also tells us about Zuriklas. Zuriklas is a Viking who was invited to rule Novgorod. This started the Rus dynasty that put the Rus into Russia. After Rurik, a guy called Oleg took charge for a bit who conquered the neighbouring tribe called the Drevlians. Uh, Oleg dies and then Rurik's son, Igor, he takes charge. 
Igor goes to the Drevians and demanded that they double the tribute that they were paying him. They said no, and then they killed him, rather painfully. And then they had the cheek to ask his widow to marry their prince. Problem was, the widow was Olga of Kiev, and she chose vengeance. The first Drevlians to visit her, she buried them alive. The second, she burned alive in a bathhouse. Then she went to visit them. She hosted a big feast, and then when everyone was drunk, her men slaughtered all 5,000 of the guests. Finally, she weighed plain old, old-fashioned old war on them, uh, eventually applied a cunning trick involving pigeons to burn their main city to the ground, and again, killed everyone. Eventually, she converted to Christianity. She was the first of us to do so, uh, for which she was eventually made a saint. And that's Russia in the early Middle Ages. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. All right, Paul. So let's jump straight into uh, a few questions. So have you ever been to Russia? No, I haven't. All right. Ever wanted to go? I wouldn't mind going to St. Petersburg, yes. And, and and sort of looking around sort of the European part of Russia, I think, you know, the further east you go, the less um, interest I have. Although although saying that, I've always had a, a yearning to have a look at Vladivostok, this sort of European city right on the other side of Russia. What What's attractive about that, of Vladivostok? Well, just because... Pretend I don't know anything about it. Okay. That won't be difficult. And <laughs> well, you know, Vladivostok is, is at the end of that enormous railway line from, from Moscow. So it's a very European-type city on the Pacific. The Pacific. Oh, right. It's over on that side. Yeah. So it's about 6,000 miles away from Moscow. So the distance from London to Los Angeles. Wow. Do you get... That's amazing. Um, do you get there by the Trans-Siberian Express? Yes, so that that was sort of what found found well, there obviously was a city there before but or a small town but that that's where the the rail, railway ended i do like the idea that there wasn't anything there and they ended the railway and said we should probably build something here <laughs> we finished we've got to the end so why would anyone come here oh balls quick make a city yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I suppose it, it there, there could have been warlike intentions as well because it was sort of just before the Russo-Japanese war. So how close have you got though, Eastern European wise or even or Western or How close have I got to Russia? Oh. Berlin? No. Budapest? Probably Budapest or Prague. I'm not sure which is I'm not sure which is closer actually. It's a really big place. That surprised Very me. I mean, I, I knew I knew it was a large landmass. I didn't realise it took up one eighth of the the Earth's inhabited inhabited space. Yeah, and not a massive population. I was really surprised by how thinly populated it was relative to its size. Well, yeah, you, you think about it. It's only twice the size of Britain, population wise. Twice the size of Britain yeah. in all of that space. And how, how many times the size of France was it? Thirty-two France. Thirty-two France. Like so it'd be fifty Britons in terms of area. Wow, that's a lot. We're all just taking a moment to appreciate <laughs> the, vastness. the vastness of how. Big but that's. That is. I mean, that's that very much informed the Russian approach to war, didn't it? The, for a long time, what they would do is someone would attack them across the steppes yeah and they would just withdraw and burn everything so that there were no crops or anything yeah and withdraw and withdraw until the uh, attacking army just ran out of food and went home basically that was kind of the approach that they took a lot of times oh yeah yeah. so russia includes siberia right oh yes yes so and siberia is huge Mm. and cold 
And gold. Cold. Cold, yeah. But, right, so here's my point. America is big, but not as big. But America has Bigfoot. <clears throat> Does the Siberia have hidden animals that we don't know about as well? It's more <laughs> likely, isn't it? Well, I, I would answer that virtually every place on Earth has animals we don't know about or creatures that we don't know about. Really? Like Bigfoot? I, I, don't, know what the, I don't know what the statistics are, but so, something like they only think about less than half of the species around at the moment we know of. What kind of animal would you want named after you then, Paul, if we discovered a creature and we were going to call it uh, Creaturus Dursleyus? Mm. It'd be Dursley I. What do you mean? Oh, is that Latin, is it? It has to be the genitive of Dursley. The Dursley eye. No, a parasite would be nice. A parasite? Come like a new on. tapeworm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a got new and more eye. efficient tapeworm is tapewormius Dursley eye. <laughs> <laughs> but what about mammoths? Is it possible that there are like a lost herd of mammoth in the Siberian wilderness that no one knows about and they've been there lost to time and man? No. Why is that? Because satellite images would have found them by now. They're not that big. I mean, they're, they're literally called mammoths. <laughs> but if you can read a newspaper headline from a satellite, I think they're slightly larger than a newspaper. You can't read a newspaper from space. Well, you used to be able to read the headlines. I think now you could probably... I reckon you could read 18-point text from space now. So the Hubble telescope, right, that can see to the furthest part of the known... Yes, it's not looking in the same direction, though. No, but that's my point. So if you turned it around and pointed it at Earth, would it be just out of focus? It would be out of focus. I think it, you, could, you couldn't change the focal length that much. Oh, okay. It's that's like, shame, you know, binoculars, there is a point at which you can't focus binoculars. Yeah. Which is usually about something like 20 foot. And in Ryan's case, it's the building next door where the lady leaves her curtains open in the evenings. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> she might be listening. <laughs> Hello, Barbara. <laughs> if you're listening. Paul, mm -hmm. did you learn anything new? Was there anything that, that stood out for you that you were like, oh, I did not know that? I, I, I knew a few of the facts. I didn't know the details. So I okay. sort of knew about, I knew about Kievan Rush, Moscovy, the expansion eastward uh, of Russia, basically, yes. There were a couple of inaccuracies regarding Russia and the Soviet Union that Pete mentioned. Okay, I guess we'll come to those. But what struck me was how little it seems is actually known of that period of time. Dark Ages, nothing really written down. The, you know, the, the, the podcast was based principally on the, what was it called again, Pete? I really uh, struggled with Russian this. The Russian Primary Chronicle. Which sounds like a newspaper. <laughs> so it's also known as the tale of bygone days which is rather more romantic yeah it's, it's sort of quite interesting as well isn't it because it's like it's like the ghana thing where russia sort of started not in russia yeah and, elsewhere yeah and moved from migrating country uh, yeah. sort of ironically it started in the ukraine is it the ukraine or is it ukraine Oh, that's an that's an interesting debate. We call it the Ukraine, although uh, Ukraine calls themselves 
Ukraine, and they don't really like the definite article associated with their country. I don't know why. I think it's quite mm. nice to be. A- I read that the the of the Ukraine, which they do not like, it's Ukraine from a Ukrainian person's perspective, is believed to be derived from a Russian attempt to delegitimize it as a country of its own in its own right. Oh, okay. I don't know exactly how having the the on the front achieves that, but that's what I heard. It makes it sound like there's other Ukraines and they're just saying this is the one. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's the, the Ukraine. If you said the Scotland, right? Yeah. Scotland is a place. The, the Scotland is like the is like the, the Lake District. The Lake District is just an area. Okay, so Scotland is a country. Okay, so what countries do have that in it? The United States of America? No. I would say I'm going to visit the United States of America. I wouldn't say I'm going to United States of America. Actually I might. No, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a journey, wasn't it? It was a roller coaster, wasn't it? You would say the US, but colloquially you'd say America, which is of course totally wrong because that's the name of a continent. It is, yeah. Named after. I call it Yankee Land. Uh, we know who it's named after now, don't we? Yes, America Vespucci, and not the other guy you keep telling us about. <laughs> Bobby America, or whatever his name was. Bobby America, <laughs> and some fell on stony ground. <laughs> mm. are there any countries with the in the name the Ga- the gambia the gambia Gambia, yeah that is one well that's because it's think. a river as well as a country okay so then uh, then arguably paraguay should be the paraguay but it's not Let's talk about the Dark Ages, though, Paul. Mm, yes. So Pete mentioned about how the Dark Ages was called the Dark Ages because nothing was written down. So you know, it's we're unclear as to what actually mm. happened. We know that things did happen through archaeology and guesswork. Guesswork. <laughs> <laughs> Educated guesswork. Educated guesswork. So you've got the the Russian primary chronicle, but it in, it mixes fiction with fact. How can we trust it as a reliable source of history? Well, that's a that, that's a difficult one, isn't it? It's like lots of things of that time seem to mix fact with fiction or myth. Do they start that way or do they just get changed and do they evolve over time? I would argue that the Russian Primary Con- Chronicle is the Fox News of the early Middle Ages. <laughs> it knows what its paymaster wants to hear. It says what this paymaster wants to hear although probably no one ever explicitly says i demand you say this exact thing it's all a lot of unspoken oh here's a book you'll enjoy oh i very much enjoy this book because it tells me that i'm definitely the the rightful ruler of this area yes that that that's that's probably right you you do need you know history does need various primary sources to be weighed off against each other and that that's why history can be controversial of course Paul, I want to ask you about outsourcing of leadership. This was something that both Pete and I had a little um, we disagreed. conflict about. We did. We disagreed, didn't we? So the, the Eastern Slavs of Novgorod were bickering amongst each other as a bunch of tribes 
fighting and they felt like they couldn't get their act together so allegedly they went north to the vikings and said hey guys who wants to rule us and this is where rurik russ said i'll do it with my two brothers and came down and took charge Mm. this is known as the norman version of events Mm -hmm. against which the soviet union in particular preferred the anti-norman view which was that actually the eastern stars were more than capable of ruling themselves yeah so how do you feel about that paul and also are there any other examples that you can think of where that might also be the case where people have outsourced their leadership to other people arguably you know it's quite a logical thing to do if you're sort of quite an intelligent society or peace see peaceful society where you sort of said well actually you but there's of course the unintended consequences which would always happen a town full of vikings specifically <laughs> well you think that that might be a problem well aren't they going to want to protect the town that they're looking after well what's in it for them is 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 the thing it may be one thing saying oh could you please rule us how is it any different than doorman or bouncers in a nightclub well i think it's they're not going to come in and just take over the nightclub what the way i see this going down is like india where the british arrive and say we're going to side with you person who's in a bicker with his local tribe and you can be my representative and I will give you all the power of the British Empire uh, to support you in your conflicts with your neighbours. But it, but you're the king, right? But they weren't going out and inviting those people in. They showed up and had their muscle and that was just their approach. That's to me what would most likely have happened. Well, yeah, it's a sort of protectorate, isn't it? But it's a, it's like an inverse protectorate. The protectorate is what you were saying. You know, big country comes to little country and says, we'll look after you for defence and various other things, but you can look after yourself for everything else. Whereas this is sort of almost the opposite of that, asking somebody else to come in and use their skills. It, it just strikes me that if you're a village and you don't necessarily have a fighting force, and you've been perhaps attacked on several occasions and you can't defend yourself. The only logical answer is to get people in. It's like the Wild West. You get, you know, yeah, and, and someone to come and protect your town. You know, were they quite ethnically close anyway? You know, if they were similar, they may have felt some sort of kinship. Mm. But yeah, it's, 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 it's very difficult that, isn't it? Because who, who wrote this, you, you know, Russia has a perfectly valid point of saying, you know, why should they have done this? Whereas, you know, the other one saying, oh, of course we did it. And it's it's just willy waving, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was less convinced by the, yeah, we came from Noah part. <laughs> that felt like a much even bigger stretch than the inviting people it to rule you. Well, I, I wonder if it's been extrapolated over time and that actually it's like house guests. Where somebody's like, oh, well, you know, I should come and see you. And you're like, yeah, that's that'd be great. We'd love to see you. And then they end up staying for a lot longer than you perhaps intended. So you think it's a sort of awkward politeness situation? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, guys, really, we don't, you know, you can you can leave any time you like. It's, it's a rather chief now. Well, yeah. that, that's the English passive-aggressive, isn't it? To try and get rid of somebody. Unlike the Drevlians, who were aggressive-aggressive. Yes. Let's talk about being torn in two by birch trees. Let's do that. Gruesome death of Igor. Oh, What did you yes. think about that? Yes. Well, they, they did come up with some interesting ways of torture, didn't they? And execution. So tying someone down, putting rope, attaching it to two trees and then ripping them apart. How long do you think you'd last? Do you think you'd be alive for long? Um, probably longer than you think. 
Really? Do you think there's a split second where it's fun? You had to use the word split second. Split. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wee, ah, yeah, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, you did. At least it's relatively quick. It's like the, I don't know whether it's apocryphal or not. I, I know that they have tested it to some extent. The one with, you put a fast growing piece of bamboo under somebody and tie them down and let it slowly drill its way through their body. When you say they've tested this... <laughs> <laughs> Who signed up to test that? Well, a dead pig, basically. I don't think they signed up for it either, personally. And it, <laughs> and it, it did, it did pierce it and go through it. Yeah, I uh, bet. So that would be that. That would be quite slow. It's, it's sort of a bit like the death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? Is that a thing? Yeah. I've heard the expression, but is that an actual thing? That's what happens every week when you edit. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> yes, it, it, it was, you know, lot, lots of little cuts. So the first few aren't really noticeable and then more and more and more and it gets worse and worse and worse. So did you just bleed to death? Yes, you would ultimately bleed to death slowly because probably wow. if, you, if they do it right, if right is the correct word, possibly some of the earlier cuts have started to heal up so you can go back and open them again. Uh. Anyway, moving on. People were cruel, <laughs> weren't they? Yes. Not brilliant today. Well... Yes, they were from our point of view. It's It was just, I know it's a cliche, but it was a different world then. Mm, the, it's like uh, around this time they were doing blood eagling as well, weren't they? I don't know you what know, that blood is. Eagle. It's an execution style where you would tie someone down and then break the ribs and then open their chest up while they're alive, pull the lungs out over their shoulders. It looked like wings. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yes. So you look like a blood eagle. So a bit, bit like... Drawn and quartered. In what? In the, that you die. Well, when you're drawn and quartered, your the body is opened and quartered, and it's still alive for quite a bit of that time. So, anyway, <laughs> on the subject of a different time, mm. uh, the topic was equality. We had a, a bit about the relations between men and women in various tribes, yes. ranging from respectfully the women are chattels to. I will race around town with women attached to my wagon. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we had the mighty Olga of Kiev. Ah, yes. I thought we'd talk about her. So it's it's International Women's Month, I think. Uh, it was certainly International Women's Day a couple of days ago. So it was quite lucky in a way that we corresponded by chance with that. That's the Dursleater for you. That is the Dursleater. The Dursleater knows things. What have you mm. put in that programming, Paul? Well, I didn't because you chose Russia. There's the does later playing 5D chess. Oh, I wanted you to pick Russia. Been outwitted by a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time. <laughs> Do you think that what Olga did was an overreaction? Um, it probably was an overreaction. After after the second one, it was a it was an overreaction. And then the, pi- the burning in the, the bath. Pig- the pigeons were amusing. <laughs> they were amusing. I have a question about that, actually. We were talking during the episode about how she tied sulfur to the pigeons mm-hmm. and that set the roofs on fire. Um, how does sulfur work? It wouldn't be sulfur. It, it would be some something of which sulfur would have been a main component. Oh, so like a combination. Of it would have been a combination sort of, of, of various things like you know, the famous Greek fire, which was always a myth that people were wanting to create, which was some sort of substance that could spontaneously ignite when you threw it um, and it and it landed. It was Archimedes napalm. It's, it's like, you remember, I, I, I don't know whether you used to do it, but nitrogen triiodide, which is something that you can make quite easily at school, which is incredibly unstable. And so you used to make that, didn't you? And you used to... 
whenever it was touched or went close to even wafting air over it, it used to explode with quite a loud bang for what it was. And there was a there was a fad at school for people doing that until it was banned. But if you're attaching it to a bird, right, and you know you don't want that bird to set fire until it's got back to the house, hasn't it got to have something to do with the house as being the catalyst? Well, I looked, I looked at, I looked it up when I when I read about it. I was like, well, how does sulphur? Yeah. Just because the way it's written, it's as if the birds were carrying like flaming hmm. logs back home. But that um, can't possibly be which the case. seemed unlikely. Yeah, because I suspect if you'd set fire to a bird, it doesn't then immediately go home and settle down. So I just came to the assumption that what it did was at least create a highly flammable environment. And in the early medieval times, there were probably more flames in general, and therefore everything went up very quickly. That's kind of how my takeaway for it. Yeah, but bird wouldn't fly into a flame, though, would it? It would do everything to avoid a flame. No, but if it, it nestles in its in the eaves of the house and in the dovecote, and there's enough sparky stuff around that it then goes up. That was kind of how I, I couldn't figure out how it would actually set on fire these various bits. Yeah, yeah, uh, pos- possibly it's something that if there was a bit of phosphorus in it, and then maybe you get something like a match head. So if it, as soon as the bird landed and walked on a a, a, a bit of stone or something that that created the spark. It's basically, a swan vesta sellotape to the leg of a exactly. pigeon. Exactly. Well, no, you you'd need one of those old Promethean matches, wouldn't you? A Promethean match. I don't know what that is. Is that one that just lights on anything? Yes, there's, well... Like on the back of my shoe, and if I was a 1940s gangster. Yeah, I'm not sure whether that was a Promethean match, but the Promethean match, which was some of the early matches, were actually like a very, very thin glass of vial that had Mm. substances in them that would, as, as soon as they were open to the air, would spontaneously combust. No way. I've never heard of this. Yeah, they, they were the earliest... They were the earliest form of match. Of course, they were incredibly expensive, but right. they they served the purpose. They served it well, but you, I suppose the problem would incredibly have been... Incredibly dangerous. Had, if you had them in your pocket and someone sort of slapped you on the back or something, <laughs> you would go up in flames. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It's like a glow stick, but a burn stick. Very good. Right. So, mistakes. This is your opportunity, Paul, to haul yes, I was, young I Peter was over the coal. I was surprised that Pete didn't know the difference between Soviet Union and Russia. I'm not sure that's an entirely fair characterization. <laughs> I did. It was very clear that Russia was... And what I wasn't clear on was with Russia counted as a country or not. Well, no. Russia was first among equals, I suppose, is the crass phrase. Uh, uh, because... Russia, in in Soviet times, it was known as the RFSFR, the Russian Federal Socialist Republic, which was one of the 15 republics of the Soviet Union, like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and all of those. But it just happened to be by far the largest and had most say over the rest of the over the rest of the country. A bit like, you know, Prussia and Imperial Germany. Yeah, we didn't get Russia in the Olympics, did you? It was USSR in the Olympics. Uh, yes, because uh, uh, you, you could argue that Russia is to the Soviet Union like England is to the United Kingdom. Well, exactly, and England's not a country. What? How is England not a country? Is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is a country. Well, it's a country, but not a state. Wait, what's England then? 
How is England not a country? It's a region. England is, England is a country, but it's not a sovereign state. So what's a country? What is a country if it's not a sovereign state? Don't try and tell me the country I'm in isn't a country, Pete. That really hurts my head. It's one of those strange cases. And I suppose, you know, the Soviet Union was always one which had all these parts which were supposedly autonomous, but they competed under one flag, just as, you know, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland compete under the Union, Jack. Whereas, arguably, they're separate countries. But then you get the situation, of course, whereas in football, they each play with their own... You know, England is a country in terms of football and rugby. So what is a country? I'm going to come back to this. What is a country exactly? I get. Well, I understand what a state is. A state is a kind of recognised global administrative well, uh, unit. A state is de jure, isn't it, by law, set by law. I, I think you could argue that a country is just de facto, it is you know, by common consent, England is a country. Used to be a state, of course, but England being a quite a a martial state, like to conquer other places. Because you'd probably say Wales is just a principality and not a country, presumably. I would say it was a country. Well, yeah, Wales, Wales, Wales is a country uh, or a nation, you know, all of these words are interchangeable. State, country, nation, region, province. It's like um, when you were talking about that book, the Russian principal primary chronicle and how you were saying there's a codex and a... Oh, the definition of the book. When is a book not a book? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So one is just an index and one is more of a... Uh, what Story. You encyclopedia. <laughs> well, also because the codex is a, a pre-book, so by technically, by the things I was reading, a book is only a paper. Only a paper book is a book. Only a paper book is a book. Yeah, and a pre-paper book is a codex. What, wait, wait. What's a pre-paper book? Vellum, like animal skin, or uh, oh, I see. Parchment, or um, but which is also animal skin, or um, papyrus. Those would or be considered codexes or birch bark or gold leaf, if you will. Or anything. Anything non-paper down. is apparently not like a book. book. Is paper. So then there's the other question of what cons- a scroll is obviously not a book. So a book implies some kind of spine, some kind of folding. I don't know. What is a book? It's, it's one of those questions that seems so obvious. And as soon as you start scratching at it, yeah. you're like, well, is then a scroll a book? No, it's not a book. Why not? Because it doesn't fold i guess open there's not pages so pages are required for a book i would say probably yes wow so we've learned a book is not a book yeah and a country is not a country tokyo tokyo wasn't tokyo nobody knows what anything is anymore ghana wasn't where ghana was and russia wasn't where russia was so basically everything you know is a lie (laughs) oh my head hurts so much (laughs) all your certainties are gone don't get it (laughs) i want to talk to you about the pronunciation of russ I don't think it's Russ. I would say Russ. You I would, would say Russ. Okay. I was going to say Roos. It's probably it probably is Roos, but it's one of those things. If they didn't write anything down, how the hell do we know how they sounded it? I yeah. now do we say I say Belarus, right? But yeah. but Russia. So there's there's two candidates there that are pretty plausible. No, Belarus is just basically a transcription of White Russia. Belarus. Right, but we say Rus, not Russ. Whereas Russia, we say Russ. Mm. Japeth, not Japeth. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll put my hands up to that one. <laughs> Japheth. <laughs> Japheth sounds like someone you meet at a gym. <laughs> I, I feel really bad picking you up on this because like, this is a terrible thing. I, I, I get these things wrong all the time as well. <laughs> I was just listening back to it and I'm like, that can't be right. Japheth. But uh, did you then check or are you simply no, claiming I'm wrong? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just simply pointing out. I guess I'm asking Paul because he seems to be the the knowledgeable source on all of this stuff. I, I is the, Isn't the name Japheth? But I, I know very little about biblical stuff. It's an area I sort of, I try to avoid fantasy. What I found interesting, because obviously I looked into Noah's sons, as it were, and there was Japheth and Ham and Shem. And they were the three sons of Noah. And... Yeah. They Ham didn't all do had well out of those names, did he? Ham, well, I didn't, arguably Japheth. Did, yeah, Ham is not a good name to give to a Jewish man, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it was his sister, Cheese and Onion. Well, they all <laughs> <is>. <laughs> uh, So anyway, the, the three sons of Noah then all had various numbers of sons themselves, which tells us that either A... Didn't they ever have People any daughters? Asked, well, this is precisely my question, which is either that everyone was spontaneously reproducing in some sort of mitotic manner, or, in fact, there were women around that didn't even get named in the Bible because they didn't count. Well, they just... People survived the flood. They didn't actually kill everyone. Yeah, but they didn't get written down about, did they? Everyone gets named except any of the women. Mm. Equality-wise, not a win. But with Well, the flood Noah, is quite interesting as well, isn't it? The flood uh, is quite interesting because, as as Pete alluded to, you know, there are records of inundations. Well, we've talked about this. We talked about this on the last one in East Timor. Oh yes, the change. If you're looking back at historic floods, then surely 120 meters worth of water flooding the entire Sundaland. Yeah, you'd notice. Yes, you might notice that and write that down. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen various theories of things that might have explained, but certainly the. Tales of a flood really go back to all of those tales of antiquity seem to have a deluge at some point, which rather implies mm -hmm. something grim happened. Before we move on, um, I do want to ask Paul, in Russia, uh, Pete was telling us last week that there are carnivorous forests there. <laughs> have <laughs> yes. you ever been to or seen a carnivorous forest? No. You know what time it is? It's just It's time. that time. And I have uh, to decide. What tune goes in? Yeah. Does the tune happen now or not? I think not? I should have some influence. Okay. Tell okay, me. Okay. So we'll do the tune. We'll have to consult after this and okay. retrospectively put it in. So Paul, you're not going to know what we're going to do now, but right. we should put in the tune now. Have you finished? Yeah, we finished. So, Paul, it's that time. Let's hear it. Let's judge the things oh, we does. Let's, <laughs> what? How? Let's let's start. How how did you think it? How did you think Pete did this this week? Very good. <gasps> wow! I what thought, a surprise! What a shock! I thought <laughs> it hung together really well. Uh, he got the time frame all the time, and. 
sort of the bit about Olga was get, getting a lot about equality in. Uh, I, you might want to shut your ears, right? Go on, go on. Do it, just do it. Pull the plaster off. A. Yes! I mean, thanks, man. <laughs> it was close between A and A minus, and I think it's probably the best one so far. Wow, I'm that's so absurdly high pleased by that. Yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to admit. I think it. I think it just worked. Uh, now, what about that wine list you were talking about earlier, Pete? Yes, yes. Um, there'll be a nice Malbec coming I, your way. I, no, I, in all in all seriousness, I loved last uh, that last episode, the Russia episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought that you, you you brought in some really fascinating information um, and carried it off well. But as as Paul said, the equality side is all the way through. The time is there. Russia was there. The whole three things are there. The only thing I do want to point out is last week we were going to carry across a minus mark. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I hate to bring it up, oh, but man. We, I think you might remember that, Paul. I... We were going to carry across a... a, a... <laughs> I sort of remember it, but I can't remember the details. Oh, um, we're going to have to do a rewind and see what it said. You've said Ascension Island on the podcast, Pete. Is that true or is it Pitcairn? It's Pitcairn. Did I say Ascension? You did, yeah. In 1789, Captain Bly arrives. Oh, right. Know him? Yes, I do. Where's he from? The Bounty. Yeah. Who was he? He was the captain who was very disliked by his crew, who mutinied, uh, kicked him off his boat, and uh, the survivors ended up in a place called Ascension Island. Well, it would have been one hell of a journey to Ascension Island as... (laughs) Um, it's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> so, can you take a point off of Pete, please? Well, 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 well. I have to hold it in. I have to hold it in debit. <laughs> I feel this is duplicitous behaviour on your part, you sneak. Hey, no, I've I've just praised you. I love. I think it's exactly the right grade. But I would be doing a disservice to truth and accuracy if I wasn't to point out. We would just get lots of complaints from people saying, last episode on the verdict, you got carried over a minus grade. I feel like you've just slithered out of a horse's skull. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a fair point. (laughs) But he's just been thrown around your neck. Hey, I'm just the messenger. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what? <laughs> Paul, anything course, to say on this? Come on, you're the you're the grader. You can dismiss last week's easily, or you can carry through the thing that we agreed last week with certainty that that's what would happen. In this written contract that I have here. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ryan. It's the only A I've ever given. I've given a couple of A minuses before, and I think you even got one, Ryan. I've got to tell you, I st- I try and be cool about the grade thing. But I'm bursting with pride. Right? <laughs> I can see it on your face. <laughs> That's wonderful. On That's the really downside, good. it might just be an indication of how rarely anyone says. Are, nice you, are, you, are, you, are you speaking through gritted teeth? 
No, 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 I'm not. No, and do you know the reason why I'm not speaking through gritted teeth? And that is because I saw this coming. I actually went and got my prophecy read. I see. Was that uh, that place on the high street? Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, high, yeah highly probable. Why, were, yeah. Why, were, why would you have wasted the money on... A fact that was obvious. Well, okay, so we've talked about this briefly before, but let's just just jump straight into this. Why doesn't fate exist? <laughs> because uh, they. Uh, because Why can't the world I have not, a prophecy? Because the world is not deterministic. So why do prophecies yeah. exist? Why do it's people not, believe in is, fate? I I could be flippant and say because they're stupid, but. I won't. Uh, it's because I think most, if not a lot or everybody, needs to believe in something. There is something very, uh, there's a very human need to believe that the world is in some way predictable because otherwise it's just a chaotic nightmare of randomness. And that no one yeah, wants to live in that situation. And, you know, it's, it's all, again, it's all relative, isn't it? Because, yes, I could, I could tell you for a fact that the sun will come up tomorrow. And I could tell you for a fact that you won't win the lottery this weekend. Prophecies. Paul's prophecies. That, uh, part of me now expects Ryan to go out and buy about £10,000 worth of lottery tickets in a desperate attempt to prove you wrong. <laughs> this could ruin you, Ryan. <laughs> Bankrupt yourself. To prove yeah, it's true. It's true. Right, let's end on a prophecy then, Paul. Give us a prophecy for next week. Next week's The Verdict will be around my episode, which is on Kazakhstan, uh, and it's during 1517 to 1648. Ah, Oddly specific time period, <laughs> but those are the years that I got. Thanks, Durs Later. And it's our Easter special. Mm. Um, you won't get as high a grade as Pete got this week. That's Paul's prophecy. I like this as a section. Paul's prophecies. Paul's prophecies. <laughs> well, if we do that, it it's always more. going to be you're going to get a bad a grade. C. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Right. That is the show for this week. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about in this episode, and I'm sure there's a few things that some people might have a thought about, you can do that. And you can get in touch with us through Twitter. Uh, our account there is at Podcast, Or you can email us at hhepodcast at gmail.com. And if you do, you never know, me and Pete, we might mention you on our future shows. Now, if you really want a name check, you can definitely feature on a show by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, such as the mighty Evo, who very kindly left us a review. Thank you, Evo. That's excellent and very kind of you. Uh, it helps us. It helps others help uh, find the show. Uh, and in the meantime, if you don't want to do that, you can find us and join discussions in Facebook and Reddit. Uh, and you can subscribe to those and go to Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, uh, all of which we put a little hit of history happened everywhere, some videos sometimes, uh, almost every day. And we're going to be back again uh, next week with a new place, a new time, a new topic, which is Kazakhstan and our Easter episode. Uh, if you need something in the meantime, we do have a growing archive of old shows. You can access those and download them and listen to them whenever you want on YouTube, your podcast provider or at hhepodcast.com. That's right. We've got ones like East Timor, Mozambique, Uruguay, Turkey, Kiribati, <laughs> Russia. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. So, Paul, 
you there? You still there? You haven't fallen oh, asleep? Oh, yes, 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 sorry. It'll wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> fallen asleep next <laughs> to the fire. D minus. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's next week. <laughs> anyway, Paul, thank you very much for joining us again. Your opinion, your judgment is welcome as always. Pleasure. Any, anything, any last words for our audience before you disappear for another two weeks back into your hole <laughs> in the ground like a mole? Well, just live your insignificant little lives as normal. (laughs) (laughs) Encouraging words there from Paul Dursley. (laughs) Beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay, and so, all that's left to say is... You've been listening to... History Happened Everywhere. The Verdict. I think the second verse of Royal Mortalia goes, Thy nations not so great as thee must in their turn to tyrants fall, whilst thou shalt flourish great and free the dread and envy of them all. Royal Britannia. Wow. Did you just look that up? No. It was in my head. Wow, you have a lot of things in your head. Well, last night of the problems, you can't be pulling out your lyric sheet, can you? Well, that's true. Oh, right. Do you, uh, do you know any poetry? You recite well, by the way. I I go in and out on poetry. Do you? Uh, okay. It is quite poncy, but yeah. it is also a distillation of thoughts down to well a, a minimal level. You're saying something. You're saying with something as much, in a few words. But with words. meaning and yeah, uh, it, it's sort of maybe like a haiku or something. Yeah, it sort of strikes me as like um, cooking. It's like the ingredients in a, in a recipe. You, you know, you, you you pick the best ingredients in the, the most colourful of the fruit and vegetables and the choicest cuts of meat. Mm. Oh, yeah, sort of got... in mathematics, the prime numbers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I've got a poem for you. I used to, I used to memorise it, but now I've had to look it up. <laughs> I'm sharing it with you because it's one of my favourite poems. Go on then. It's by E.E. E. Cummings. Mm-hmm. It's called Me Up At Does. Okay. <clears throat> Me up at does, out of the floor, quietly stare, a poisoned mouse. Still, who alive, is asking, what have I done that you wouldn't have? But what does that mean? Uh, looking up at me out of the floor is a mouse who's been poisoned, asking me, what did I do that you wouldn't have? Oh, why are you poisoning me? Yeah. So if you'd have been me, you'd have done exactly the same. So how come you're... In a position to kill me. Right? What did I do that you wouldn't have? Right. All I wanted That's, was food. Right? I'm just trying to feed my family here. Yeah. Are you about to cry? No. Okay. I also enjoy... Limericks. I, I used to write poems down <laughs> and in my poems I like. thing is, I hate poetry, but when it's good, it's really good. Yes, I, I, I think um, I, I'm sort of with you on that. Although I do like limericks. Do you? Do you know any good ones? Well, they're incredibly difficult to do. Um, so let's have a think. Saint Olga, a famous old Russian, a fan of spontaneous combustion, set forth sulphurous fire from birds flying higher to deliver Dravalian destruction. How was that? 